Rachel, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, babe? Uh, doing very well. Very well. Uh, I've, I've always been a fan of yours. I've been excited here recently to get to know more about you. Uh, you know, that's a lot about the what this show is about, to get to know the Schmodown players outside of the Schmodown. Um, and I, I know very little bit uh, just uh, that has to do with music. And that's really all I have to know or uh, I have to go on. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting to know more about you. So this is going to be a great time. Thank you for your time. Story time uh, with Rachel Silvestrini. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that being said, the name of the show is From Birth to Schmodown. So uh, Rachel Silvestrini, where were you born? I was born in O'Connor Hospital in Santa Clara, California. Um, my birth time, I believe, was 9.53 p.m. So uh, I always do a shot every year on my birthday. Uh, it's April 16th uh do a shot that night uh and recently i've been calling my mom to do a shot with me because like she's the one who gave birth so like why shouldn't she partake in this um yeah I, and i grew up in san jose which is literally like a five minute drive from santa clara so okay now real quick for folks like myself who you know obviously i know where california is and uh and whatnot but where uh where is is that located is it more southern california mid it's uh, okay. So the North Bay area, like San Francisco, is shaped like a whale tail, and San, San Francisco is at the top uh, of the opening, and San Jose is at the bottom. So it's like San Francisco's here, Oakland's here, San Jose is at the bottom. So we're very like forty-five minutes from everything. Oh, that's a nice little triangle kind of area. Yeah, uh, and then if you go the other direction, it's also forty-five minutes from San, Santa Cruz. So. Yeah, yeah, I got the same kind of deal going on, kind of with Indianapolis, uh, Cincinnati, and Columbus. Oh so, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Columbus. It's a nice city. Yes, it is. Uh, very nice. I'm I'm partial to Indianapolis. I'm from Ohio, but uh, I've been to Indy more than I have Columbus, so uh, I'm a little bit more partial to that. But you did say you were born in April. Um, mm -hmm. being on the 16th, do you cross over into the Taurus realm? I am an Aries cusp Taurus, so I am a fiery, passionate, bullheaded bitch. <laughs> um, and I think I've lived up to that quite well. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more on the empath side of the Aries, though. So um, I am passionate, um, but I also like care with all my heart, uh, and I'm stubborn to give up on people. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have two brothers, and uh, all of our birthdays are in April. Um, the oldest one is his birthday's first. Uh, it's in the th it's the thirteenth, and he's not a Taurus. He's Aries. Uh, yes, uh, is what you said. Um, and then my my middle brother is the next one on the twenty fourth, and then I fell on the twenty seventh. So it's kind of the three brothers' birthdays, same month in order uh, of, of our ages. So Your parents were incredibly patriotic. They really love the 4th of July. <laughs> America, mom and dad, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you're, you and your siblings were all born in April. My sisters and I were all born on the 16th of our months. So my older sister is January 16th, I'm April 16th, and my little sister is May 16th, and nobody was induced. Oh, so for your folks, it was uh, it was more of a specific day of the month kind of a deal. And yeah, yeah. My older sister was two weeks early. I was two weeks late, and my little sister was like right around being on time. So like, it's just weird the way that it happened. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, what, what was your first memory that you that you can recall at least? I think my first like 
I, I try and think back a lot because a lot has happened in my relatively short life. Um, but I think the first thing that I can really remember is um, we used to have this Plymouth, uh, this Plymouth van, uh, this Dodge or this Plymouth Voyager van. Um, and we had, you know, I had two sisters and there were three sections. And my mom used to drive us down to LA every summer to go visit her side of the family. Um, and so it worked out perfectly. Somebody would sit in the front seat and then someone would have the middle section and someone would have the back section. Um, and I just remember listening to like Larry Gatlin and like the mamas and the papas on cassette while laying across one of the seats, like reading a book. Like, I just remember that. Like we used to listen to those old, like Disney books on tape. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Yeah, we uh, we we banned the books because we kept fighting over who got to look at the book. Uh, so we just played the tapes. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love. Um, so lots of road tripping when you were a kid, then. Lots of road trips. Like I, I remember the first time I drove with my permit. Um, other than like taking my mom to the store, uh, we went down to LA for uh, Thanksgiving, and my mom was like, "Okay, you get to drive." And I was like, all right, that sounds awesome. It's not like I don't know these roads because I've been going down them all my life, you know? And then when I moved down to LA in my early 20s, like it was just like moving home because I'd been there so long, so often. So yeah, we did a lot of road trips as a family. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of sightseeing did you do? Like as far as Grand Canyon, like bigger things like that, did you ever hit anything like that? Just Disneyland. <laughs> the most part it's hard to beat that <laughs> i mean surprise surprise rachel's a disney fan um no i'm not joking when i say that i've been a disney fan since in utero like my mom used to go because her family lives in southern california like i said so she would take us like my when my little sister or my older sister was like real real little like baby status um and she was pregnant with me uh, they would go to Disneyland. So I'm not joking when I say that I've been breathing the air and drinking the water since in like since before I can remember. Um, but we would go to Disneyland every summer. Um, my mom was a trooper. I don't know how she did it. Three little girls, no harnesses, no leashes, no Ritalin, like, and by herself. And we were always the first family in and the last family out at the end of the night. Like, I don't know how <laughs> she how? did it. The first time you you went there uh the first time i remember being there yeah i think it was like five when i remember being there um yeah there's this great picture of my dad uh with my sisters and i in front of like the old disney welcome sign and it's for the 30th anniversary and now they're what on its 35th or something like that like it's crazy wow yeah, yeah. That's a big deal when you're a kid and you get like, uh, I, I grew up in Texas. I was raised for the first part of my life in Texas. And so uh, Florida was closer to us. And I remember we, you know, we had the jar and I was like <laughs> five years old and I would always hit up my older brother's friends, you know, throw some change in there for us so we can go. And when we finally did, it was just, it, I remember that feeling. What It was just amazingly magical. Um yeah. Oh, so much fun. Just it's still, it still hits me today. Like, I have not been to Disneyland in over two years, and I'm, like, itching to get back there. And I know that as soon as I do and stand at the end of Main Street and look at the castle, I'm just going to burst into tears. Like, that, it may be the happiest place on Earth, but it is definitely my happy place, so. Um, just out of curiosity, did you ever happen to see Roka performing his uh, job when he used to do that there? 
the uh, Harry Potter gig? Uh, no, I no, because I we never really went to Universal, sadly. Okay. Okay. Um, it just wasn't really our thing. Like we were very like we were very much a Disney family. Um, I know I got taken when I was like nine months old or something, but that doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> but when they put in Hotter or the Potter Land, um, I just I don't know. Even why even living in LA, I was like oh, I'd rather just go the extra hour down to Disneyland and like hang out there versus like the twenty minutes to. Universal. I mean, I've gone in as, as an adult, and I actually, we went and tried to go see Roka. Um, I took my niece, and he wasn't there. Uh, and then we went to see Kalinowski, and Kalinowski wasn't performing that day, but, like, the guy who I asked was the stage manager, who happened to know people that I toured with on Beauty and the Beast. So we got, like, backstage, and, like, we got a little tour. We got to meet the cast, and, like, we got really great VIP seating. It was really, really fun. So I would assume it's safe to say that Disney... Uh pretty much is the start of your love of movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, I honestly can't remember my first movie, but I remember Disney always being there. Like, I still have all of my clamshells. Like, that's my retirement fund. Like, you know, those big, like, hard plastic VHS cases for oh, Disney? Okay. Are those yeah. worth money for real? Uh, some of them are. I mean, I have the first, I have the first edition release of, of Little Mermaid. Okay. Okay. So. I always hear rumors about that, but I never really know. And I've, I don't know where I got them, but I happen to have a box full of all those old Disney movies in those big cases, uh, and I don't know anything about them. So I, mean, I, oh, that's interesting. People, people collect, and Disney, Disney collectors are amongst like the most rabid in the world. So it's nice to have that little like fun yeah. little set together. And they ju and with them adding Lucasfilm, man, they've cornered the market on collecting stuff. So, oh my God. Lucas and and Marvel, like there, nobody can beat Disney at this point. <laughs> uh, now, do you remember the first movie that you saw in a theater? I knew you were going to ask this. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it was The Lion King. Oh, like I I remember seeing that, and I don't remember seeing much before. But I remember seeing that, and it was, like, the first time, like, I remember getting to dance around. We did do this thing. Um, there was this movie theater uh, in Sunnyvale. They used to do, like, a, a summer camp kind of thing for kids. And you could buy, it was, like, 20 bucks a kid, and you got, like, 30 tickets or something like that and a calendar for, like, the different movies that were coming out. And you could go see all of them if you wanted. You could go see two of them if you wanted. Um, and it was stuff like Free Willy and the Chipmunk Adventure and the the adventures of the new adventures of Pippi Longstocking, the Babysitters Club, like all that's like all that stuff that I grew up on. Like I just remember seeing that every summer and having that be a big deal because like all of our all of our kid friends would get together because like my mom was part of a bunch of like moms groups. So I grew up with like the same kids like every summer and we would just go and hang out and watch these movies and how old were you when you first stepped on stage to do some stage work and what kind of work was it? Well, um, God, I mean, there's always. Mm. Okay. There you are. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I was the, I was the Dorothy oh. understudy and can you hear me? Uh, yes, yes. It just took a second for your video to start and catch up. So it what happens. 
what a pain in the ass summer is. Um, <laughs> uh, so I remember in sixth grade, I like I was in church plays, like Christmas pageants and stuff like that. And for some reason, I was always like given the lead auditions. It was just like, here, Rachel, you get to do this. And I'm like, that's I'm like, there's lines to memorize. And you want me to sing in front of people? Are you stupid? Like, no. Uh, but I did it because I was forced to. Uh, and then I remember in sixth grade, uh, we did The Wizard of Oz, and I was the Dorothy understudy. And in order to still participate and help out, um, instead of just being like, like with normal theater, like there's also a role that the understudies play. So I was one of the trees that threw apples um, at Dorothy and the Tin Man, I believe, and the Scarecrow. Um, and that was fun. <laughs> Is it how how much truth is it? And I'm sure you were young at this point, I'm sure. But how much truth is there that as the understudy, you just are are praying that the lead uh, gets sick or something so that you can step up into the into the spot? I mean, I wasn't really like I wanted to be the cowardly lion. Like I'm not a main character type of girl. Like give me like the spunky sidekick, and I think I've always been that way. Like like I auditioned for the cowardly lion. And then they made me sing like the because there was like different audition songs to sing um so i sang the cowardly lion one they loved it and then they're like oh but try the dorothy audition song and i nailed it and they're like okay great you're dorothy under you're dorothy understudy number one and i'm like no i don't want to be dorothy i want to be the cowardly lion like oh, let, me, let me live my goofy dreams <laughs> i i completely agree uh cowardly line he turned out to be a, a hero in the end so and and who wouldn't want to be on stage in a massive onesie rather than a dress and heels like i feel like yes. that's just my vibe all over <laughs> i completely agree with you <laughs> um and and even not not the heels part but you know uh the the dress part i can because i went to rocky horror picture show a lot when i was in my uh high school year so i I'm down. I'm down. So much fun. Heels, though, I can't. No, thanks. Um, <laughs> can you, uh, your your stage and, and your drama stuff into high school? Like, were you, was there a drama program? Did you do school plays and stuff like that in high school? Or I mean, kind of. I mean, when I say that I toured with Beauty and the Beast, I sold merchandise. So I was more of an actor than anybody on stage because I had to deal directly with the public. Um, but, um, I mean, I've always loved theater. I was eight years old when I went to my first... Broadway show, um, like the tour of uh, Chorus Line was my very first show. Um, and I've seen like Les Mis and Miss Saigon ever since. But um, in high school, um, I was actually a cheerleader all four years of high school. Um, and I was too busy because we were pretty much the team from, we, like we were basically the Toros from Bring It On. Like we were highly competitive with a Okay. really sad football team to cheer for um like a good season for us was two and nine like if we won two a season we were very excited um but we were really competitive so i didn't get to participate in theater as much as i wanted to but i did get to help uh co-choreograph um for sweet charity my sophomore year uh, that what was your mascot I love asking people this because there's it's just it's it's interesting, especially from across the country, what kind of mascots we get. You, know, you should hear Robert. Wow. We were the Vikings. We were the Limburg Vikings. Okay, okay. Now, were there any Viking settlements near that area? I'm just curious. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, California is not a Viking settlement. Viking settlements are like Minnesota, like Minnesota and like uh, Wisconsin, um, you know, all, all the Midwest areas. It's where everybody's very sweet and passive aggressive and feeds you cheese and butter. Um, no, California is mainly like a Spanish settlement and yep. Mexican settlement. Um, well, it was Mexican and then the Spaniards came and like ruined it all, but <laughs> yay for California history. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, I, I didn't think, uh, the Vikings had made their way out that far. Uh, like it, it's just, it, that always interests me. Some of the, sometimes you get some odd, uh, mascots concerning or, uh, considering the area geographically in which places are located, but I like asking that question too. Yeah. We did. We did have uh, the Fremont. Uh, Fremont High School used to be the Fremont Indians, and then obviously that got changed. But I think that that was like the most like culturally like not in a, like not appropriate, but like significant like identifier for the area, I guess, because like there was a ton of Native Americans in this area before the Spanish came. So like everybody else was like, "What was Los Gatos is like the lions or something?" I don't know. We have got a lot of weird. <laughs> yeah, Un unremarkable mascots in this area. The Mustangs. I would yeah. imagine there are a lot of schools around there too, because it's so it's so highly populated that the, the you know the the list of mascots has got to run thin at some point. You just kind of you know the the wildfires that might be a bad example. <laughs> at least it would make sense concerning the areas dry, but I, I don't know why I said that was a bad example, man. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually pretty perfect because the, the Fremont Indians changed from the Indians to the Firebirds, so. <laughs> Close. <laughs> kind of helps. Um, now, I grew up in uh, in the Midwest, rural America, uh, so, you know, around here is small towns, and I even lived in the country on a far outside the small town, uh, so growing up around here was a lot different. Like, we would Go, we would literally go for a drive around the country block. I mean, that like was our fun sometimes. Um, being being from a higher populated area, California, uh, what was your what was your upbringing like as far as your uh, teenage years? Like, uh, take us through a little trip of what what Rachel Silvestrini as a high school teenager used oh to do God. on her off time. Um, get in a lot of trouble. Well, we we should have gotten in a lot more trouble than we did. Um, we there. There's a uh, an, an amusement park that's like 20 minutes away from here, and like in our early teens, like you gotta understand, San Jose was a very like idyllic place to grow up. Like nothing big ever happened here. Like we never really heard of like child abductions, even though like every child that grew up in the 90s was very like scared about that. But like I remember being like 12 and 13, and my friends and I wanting to go to Paramount's Great America, which is where they filmed. Uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3, um, and we wanted to go up there to, like, go hang out. Like, that was where we, like, cruised for guys, was the amusement park, and later the bowling alley, because we're classy. Um, but we used to, like, there, there was a, a bus that used to go straight from one of, like, right outside one of our friend's houses, straight to the front gates of the park. And so our parents would just be like, here's five bucks for the bus, and here's, like, 20 for food, be back by 10. And we would be like, and it was just like the most unsupervised thing ever. Like we could, we got into, we should have gotten into so much trouble. Like we would go, oh God, we would toilet paper 
houses of girls that were mean to us and like we got really good like we we got to so good to the point that like a kid hired us to toilet paper like his bully's house yeah it was amazing we got like 20 bucks and he supplied all the all the toilet paper and like that was we used to like tie a bow around the tree too and everything that was like our calling card it was ridiculous we were so stupid as kids man like I said, I grew up in the country, so I was one of those kids who there was. I, I wanted to toilet paper so bad that one night I took one roll of toilet paper and I toilet papered my own house. Um, <laughs> I obviously had to clean it up the next morning, but I just wanted to do it so bad. I couldn't just. I, and at this time, I was like fourteen, so yeah. I didn't have a car, so I I can't walk somewhere, you know. So oh, we would uh, we would sneak out. Yeah, I mean, with you being in the country, yeah, you can't really walk three miles yeah. to your neighbor's house and then like walk back like inconspicuously. Yeah. And they'll know they'll be like, it's that 14 year old punk neighbor kid. That's who did it. Well, oh, we, we also had a, a, a friend of ours. Uh, one of our, one of the girls in our group, her mom was not the greatest influence. Um, and she would drive us to go toilet paper girls houses who were mean to us. That's great. Oh. Thanks, Jean. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Every group of friends has at least that one parent uh, or, or set of parents, you know, that's like, they're just really cool. You hang out at their house. They let you get away with stuff you're really not supposed to be getting away with. Um, I remember, I think I had three or four of the, the parents of some of my friends were in my group were like that. So we had a lot of places to bounce around. Uh, everyone's got those. Oh yeah, yeah. Jean, Jean was definitely that for ours. We knew as soon as we went over to her house that like we could do whatever we wanted. Like, it was bad. Like knowing what, knowing now what she was doing, I'm like she should have been arrested for child endangerment. Like straight up. Like, like she smoked heavily. Her daughter sm started smoking when she was 13. So like a bunch of the girls that I was friends with started smoking. And like Jean would buy them cigarettes. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like that is a child. Like, she bought us booze to, like, she's like, okay, but you can't leave the house. And we're like, whatever. And we get drunk and, like, sneak out and wander. Or, like, we got in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, but let's be real. It, it really, it's good. It's good for every group to have uh, one of those parents. You know what I mean? Uh, I think at least. Because yeah. uh, normally in those situations, I have found that the other people, the other friends' parents are more like, you know, don't, you know, sheltering, stuff like that. And, it, and they mean well, but then you've got the other parents, and, and you can actually see there are adults who are responsible parenting adults. Well, responsible to at some degree, at least. Paying <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, wait, yeah, clarify there. She uh, wasn't that responsible. No, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And, like, I was, I feel like I was, like, the counterpoint to Jean because, like, if my friend's parents knew that I was going out with them, then they would be like, okay, you can stay out after curfew. Like, I was, I was the responsible one. I was the good one. I was the one who, like, knew how to throw down and knew when to get out of shit. Like, right. like I was the one who had no problem calling my parents if we got into trouble. And, like, I was like, no, like, this is a danger, like, recognizing a dangerous situation for what it was and being like, that's it. We're done. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Mama Rachel. <laughs> See, I, I don't recall ever getting into a situation where I needed to call uh, call someone and then, you know, be like, dude, I got in over my head and and you got I'm cycling through, you know, shooting road signs with with double barrel shotguns and blowing up mailboxes with Clorox bleach bombs and stuff. 
Uh, thank God none of that ever went sideways. Uh, but I was kind of the guy who would instigate the, uh, the, the troublemaking, but then I would also be the one who was like, well, dude, I'm just going to kind of chill and take care of everything and make sure we're all good. And I wouldn't partake, but I would yeah. just oversee the situation, you know? So I always kind of made sure I had it now. <laughs> yeah, I was I was the one who was constantly like, okay, my dad's a security guard. I know how to handle myself. Like, my dad wanted boys. He got girls. Like, I can handle myself in a fight. And, like, all my girlfriends were, like, much daintier than I was. <laughs> like, even at that young age, um, I could throw a punch. I, I'd gotten in fights growing up. Like, you know, I beat the crap out of a few boys. Um, but, like, it's it's different hanging out with teenage girls than teenage boys because teenage boys will just do stupid shit and teenage girls do dumb shit like there's a very vast difference <laughs> and i was the one who made sure that the dumb shit didn't go out of hand can you give me an example of the boys stupid shit in the in the girls dumb shit okay so boys would play you know mailbox baseball okay mm -hmm. girls would antagonize other girls into fights in public mm, mm. without being able to defend themselves that's dumb shit okay okay like, yeah yeah i had a lot of dumb friends growing up <laughs> <laughs> uh well uh, then then about this time you make a change because you're you're out of high school you're moving on uh seeing what else is out there so maybe there are some new friends on the horizon coming up who knows um, but, uh, but where did you go after high school? What did you decide you wanted to do from there? So I went to a very highly competitive academically, a very, yeah, a very academically minded high school. Like we were number, the year I graduated, I think we were like number two in the state and number like seven in the country academically. So like having a GPA of like, I think I had like a 3.7 graduating GPA, like, which is normally great, like, actually puts me in, like, the lowest third of my graduating class. Um, so, like, everybody was going off to, like, MIT and Stanford and Berkeley and, like, Princeton. And uh, because your class ranking at the time was so important, um, I didn't get in anywhere. And so I went to uh, De Anza College, uh, which is the local JC. Um, and I was just kind of like puttering around like it, it was it's one of the most prestigious junior colleges like you can transfer anywhere with their credits um so i was planning on doing like getting my aa at at De Anza and then transferring to a uc and go join my friends at college um but then i just realized i was just kind of spinning my wheels and i didn't really know what i wanted to do with my life and so it was kind of stupid to like keep going to college if i didn't know where it was going to pay off uh, so I ended up moving down to LA when I was 19 or when I was 20 um, with some friends and uh, I started working in the music industry because it was something that I found that I was really passionate about. I love live entertainment. I went to my first concert when I was 14 and just kind of like turned to my mom during the concert and was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I want to make, I want to be part of this, like this feeling, this this, this happiness, this joy. Um, so we moved down to LA and uh, started interning at a at a place that was literally down the street from Disneyland. So I had like an hour and a half drive each way every day. Um, and I got to work with some really amazing people and 
I ended up meeting some bands that I, you know, sold merchandise, like that I started becoming friends with and then sold merchandise for locally. And then they got, they asked me to go on tour with them and we would do like little like West coast trips or like California, like we would go up to San Francisco and then do like a California to Texas tour for South by Southwest, play Southwest and then come South by Southwest and come on back. Um, and then I got work tour when I was 22. Wow. Oh my God. That was 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. Uh, yeah. Uh, Say what? It, it, it sounds like a lot of fun, especially at that age. It was a lot of fun. It was, um, it was a lot of work. Um, and I like to think that in all of the fun, I was still professional. Um, but what 22 year old really is, um, especially when they're getting to go out on like punk rock summer camp. Um, but I had a blast and I did, I worked really, really hard. Um, I got asked to come back year after year and that was amazing. And I found us, I found like my first, family outside of my blood family was my warp tour family and that's like an insane connection because like you spend think think of how much time you've actually spent with your friends like as an adult like it's not very long like oh. we we converse over twitter and like through shows like this but like when you're on warp tour you're around these people 24 7 for like two and a half months straight and so, like, that is, like, 10 years of friendship, like, crammed into a summer. And so there are people that I met even my first year that I don't see very often. But if they're in town on tour or if I'm in their town on tour, like, we meet up and we hang out. And it's, like, no time has passed because we've been through the trenches. Like, we were in the trenches together, you know? Like, we dealt with... We dealt with a hurricane in Cincinnati and, you know, 115 degree weather in Florida. We saw a friend of ours get struck by lightning, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, um, Brian, that's Brian McKee, who's actually, uh, Brian's actually out with, uh, oh my God, what's her name? She's got the green hair. She's really young, really cute. What? Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish, yeah. He's like her tour manager. So like he got struck by lightning and now he's on tour with Billie Eilish like years later. You know, like happens. <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, like but I just should have been struck by lightning years ago. <laughs> right? And there was one year where like the I knew like the tour manager, like the head of security and like three other security guards that was on like the Justin Bieber tour. Um oh. and that was really weird to like say. Um yeah. But, like, the family is so expansive and, like, they're everywhere now. And, you know, everybody just wishes the best for each other. And people pull each other up when, you know, when they're down and looking for work. And it's really, really nice. I really miss them. Um, before we get too far ahead, I do want to backtrack just for one second. Sure. If you say so in the moment, I apologize. I missed it. Um, who was that that you saw in that concert where you told your mother this is what you want to do? It was Elton John and Billy Joel. It was the face-to-face -to -face tour. Um, they were, it was my first like big concert, like a real concert. Cause you know, you go to like arts and wine festivals and like concerts in the park, whatever. And it's never like a name band. Like this was my first like big band with lights and sound and like a video screen and shit like that. Like, and they were free tickets from our neighbor who like, we, we missed the first like 15 minutes of the concert and had great seats. I danced the entire night. I knew every word to every song because I was raised great. Um, 
And like, it was just like feeling that way. I was like, I want, like, it was like, it was like a high. I was like, I want this every day for the rest of my life. Like, I want to feel this joy. So what better way than to get paid for causing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and absolutely. Uh, wow. I, I've always, I always wish I could have caught those two when they toured together. Um, give them, give well, them a few years after COVID. They'll probably go back out together. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. My dad and I were just talking about uh, about Billy Joel and uh, Elton John two days ago, actually. So it's that's such great. a great show. Yeah. Um, now, have you ever done anything on stage as far as bands? You ever do any guest singing spots? Anything like? That? <laughs> There's a reason I sell merchandise. Um, I only sing in public with like a bottle of tequila in my liver um, because I give no shits. Um, I have I ever sang on stage. I mean, I've gotten pulled up by the dropkick, dropkick Murphys a few times to like, but like everybody gets pulled up, but like I'm friends with them. So like they'll shove a mic in my face and I'll sing. Um, but that's not like, I don't think that's what you're asking. Um, I have never sung on stage. I have had a lightsaber battle on stage. Um, oh. It was the end of Warp Tour in 2008, I want to say. Um, and less than Jake would their intro music onto the main stage was, uh, was it, uh, it was, I can't remember which, uh, Star Wars song it was. Um, I think it was the, the Imperial March. Um, and so like we had been sponsoring them. I worked for AT&T that summer. We had been sponsoring them all summer and hanging out with them. And like, they were, they were like big brothers. So they would come in and like prank me and like a few of the girls and like, we'd prank them back. So we decided to end the tour with the ultimate prank and so like one of the other girls and i got lightsabers from somebody on tour because of course it's a tour full of punk boys and they ha somebody has to have lightsabers so we steal these lightsabers from somebody and right before they're going on stage when the music starts we blow past them on the ramp and run on stage and like do this lightsaber battle in front of a crowd of like like seven thousand people like waiting to watch them it was nuts and like the crowd's cheering the band is crying laughing like everybody's cracking up and so finally like the the song ends and like i get i get killed uh and like the band comes on and like they kick us off stage it was really fun uh, as far as bands and stuff like that i would assume you've met quite a few uh bands groups um and uh not in a bad way or anything it, it could be in a bad way but i'm not asking details i'm not actually calling one out but good or bad is there anyone that you went into uh before you met them you had in whatever the idea of 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 them uh as a person or what they might be like and it changed um after you had met them jared leto um Jared Leto uh, and 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, I met them, a band that I worked for, opened for them at in Santa, in Santa Ana um, at the observatory. And I, like every girl who grew up in the 90s, had a massive crush on Jared Leto because my so-called life came out and he ruined us with his beautiful eyes and that porcelain skin and that, like, I don't care hair. Like, it's he's just beautiful. Like, he's just a beautiful boy. Um, and so when I was working there, he was, I was like, un, I was like helping my, um, I was bringing merch to the, to the back to get loaded into the trailer and I happened to pass by him and like, I stopped 
and talked to him for a few seconds and he was amazingly wonderfully sweet um everything you could ask for and then the next night we played uh at a casino with them and his brother shannon um was very obnoxious to one of the girlfriends of the band members um and then after the show uh, they had a table set up next to us, and they were doing uh, signing. So, like, if you bought the album, like, you would get a sign. Like, you would they would autograph it, and then you would get a picture with them. But it was literally, like, like a foot was between our shoulders, and we, like, were chatting and having fun. And then Shannon thought that I was the girlfriend who he had a, a verbal argument with on the casino floor, who I look literally nothing like. Like, she was short and thin and blonde and i was not any of those descriptors um <laughs> uh and so he tells uh he told jared that i was the girl and he called me a very awful word and tried to have me thrown out while i was packing up merchandise uh i confronted him a few years about a year and a half later uh at the taste of chaos uh tour stop in long beach and we were literally, no one was around. It was just the two of us backstage, like walking down this hall towards each other. And I was like, hey, you owe me an, an apology. And I told him and he goes, oh yeah, I remember that. And he just walked away. And I'm like, dead to me, you're a tool. He's also like this thin. I'm like, I can snap you with my calves. Like, don't anger me. There's no security around. But I'm sure this is also like 15 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. So like, whatever. If he's nicer now, that's great. I hope so. But fans are crazy like his fanat like he, he doesn't have fans he has fanatics yeah, like, and I pictures of them on that island with the robes and stuff on it's a little bit too odd for me it's scary like i don't know i don't know which is scarier like the crazy super fanatic 30 seconds to mars fans or juggalos like <laughs> i don't know and i've, I've been to an icp show and it is terrifying I've been to a few ICP shows uh, in high school. My friends and I went quite a bit. And uh, uh, one one thing I will say about that is that this was when I had the long hair. And I went to school the first time we saw them. I went to school the next day. And I could pull a strand of hair from over here and suck on it and have orange Fago. Pull a strand from over here and have purple Fago. Uh, it sounds gross, but it's, it's, it's an absolutely insane thing to be able to say after having seen the concert. I saw two grown adult women get in a fist fight. And I'm not talking like a hair pulling face up. I mean like a drag out UFC doesn't have fights like these fights over an empty two liter of Fago. And I'm like, I, I like, as soon as I saw that, I put my back to the wall and just like scooted around it to the backstage area. I'm like, I am not here for this. Was that on a warped tour or no, no, that was, that was, uh, it was an ICP tour. Uh, they were playing the Grove in Anaheim. And this was when I had my internship at Milano music in, uh, orange that was like right near, uh, Disneyland. Uh, and the manager or the, the owner of the company, uh, was going to meet some guy from like Philip Morris, uh, talent, whatever. Um, and so he asked if I wanted to go. So we went and I got to meet this guy and like network, but like the cost of it was I had to go through an ICP show to like meet him. And it was like the scariest thing. <laughs> um, I, I do have to ask you about uh, a couple other bands that, that I just, I grew up loving and I still love. And I'd like to, have you ever met any of the fellows from Blink 182? 
Oh my god, yes. I've actually uh I've I actually babysat Mark Havis's kids. No way, really? Tour. Yeah, Angels and Airwaves was out on the tour and uh uh they, we were hanging out one night and uh I was walking like I had just showered and I was like walking to my bus and Mark was outside with his wife and uh was it Mark? Yeah, it's Mark. Uh and we had talked and he was like, I was like talking on the phone and like, I'm just so excited. I get to go home and like go back to my bunk and like relax. And he like stopped me and he's like, hey, we want to go to the barbecue. Like the kids are out. Can you watch the kids? And I like sat with his kids watching Disney movies for like three and a half hours and then like put them to bed. That's great. They're That's the great. nicest. Yeah. No, I've, I've met, I think I've met all of them at this point. And they're oh. all just like the sweetest. Yeah, I I went. I saw them in Indianapolis uh, for the "Take Off Your Pants and Hat" tour, and <laughs> I loved it so much. Had such a great time. I had been a fan of theirs before this, obviously, but I loved it so much. I turned around and uh, went to Columbus and scalped a ticket uh, about five days later uh, now, to see them again. Now I don't. I, I I don't think that that because I've only seen Blink One Eighty Two live. I think once, and it was for like a one of those like. Uh, radio Christmas shows. Oh, right. um, so it was like them and Who Was Stank. The Used was out there. Oh, God, I miss The Used. Um, but they were, I think they were the headliners. And like nobody was on the same beat. And at one point, like Tom just like took his guitar and started running circles around the drum kit. And I'm like, what is going on? Like it was just pure insanity. But I love them. And like they're just, they're really great guys. Um, have you ever met Weezer? Anyone from Weezer? I don't think so. I think I've I think I've met like their crew, but I haven't met them. Like I think I've met met one of their song their sound guys and lighting guys. because uh, I was I got to hang out uh they were on tour with Dashboard Confessional opening for them. And uh yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Um, well, I'm more like when when he was solo, the solo albums, the first ones before he got the band is what that that shit tears me apart. I love it so much. It's not it's not that bad with the band dashboard, but when he was solo, like Swiss Army Romance, and oh just, okay, I was like, he's always had a band. Which ones are you talking about? Uh, no, Swiss Army Romance, like fucking that'll yeah. yeah. No, I remember. I remember going to see him uh, play with Hot Water Music uh, the night before Halloween in San Francisco, and my best friend was up from. Uh, she went to UCSB, uh, so she was up for the concert. And then immediately after the concert, we drove from San Francisco to Santa Barbara, and we made it in four hours, which means I was flying, which is not safe on the road that we took. Um, but we literally made it there in like four hours to the minute. Um, and it was like one of the best concerts ever. That that's great. His last name's Caraba, I believe. Is it John Caraba? Chris, Chris Caraba. Chris. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, you said dashboard, and I just oh man, yeah. It takes me back instantly to you know sitting in sitting in your bedroom with the lights off and a couple of candles, making yourself depressed. You know, it felt good at the time. <laughs> making yourself depressed. No, at that point, it was giving into the depression trying to find the pictures because i have like these crazy thick like photo albums from back in the day because you know back in the day you didn't have camera phones you had to like sneak in disposable cameras uh 
it was just oh yeah here we are uh this was may of 2003 it's oh that's awesome that's me yeah. squatting down super far because he is a petite tiny man <laughs> that's great yeah he's great too i'm actually going to see him uh the night before halloween again uh, which is actually going to be the night before my friend's wedding, who I met going to Chris Caraba shows. Um, full circle. Full circle, baby. Life happens. Um, now, at this time that you're touring on the road, because we're about to we're about to get into the schmodown era of things. Um, how were you? How were you keeping up with movies, if at all, in that time? Like, were you still were were movies still were they a big part of your life then, or were they just something that were just when you could fit it in? Or I mean, well, when you're on warp tour and on tour like that, um, you have a lot of like days open. Like when you're touring with bands, like you are, you drive into a city, you get there early. There's nothing else to do. You go see a movie together because it's cheap, it's air conditioned. And get some food in you um like i remember going to see taken with a band that i was on tour with and then like immediately exiting and like calling my dad and being like i love you so much um but no i mean every because everybody i don't think that anybody i've ever toured with like didn't like going to the movies so it was very easy to be like hey this movie is coming out do you want to go to the midnight screening of it or do you want to like go in the next city like let's buy tickets and hang out um it was easier, I think, to do when I started touring because I did Warp Tour for fucking forever, um, and then I got hired by Disney to go on the Beauty and the Beast tour, and that was like a nine to ten month commitment wow. um, straight. Uh, and so, you know, everybody loves movies that are in entertainment, pretty much, and so it was very easy to like find people who wanted to go see like the art house movies. And then there was like a whole bunch of guys who wanted to go see like the Marvel movies and like the Lord of the Rings movies and all the fantasy movies. And so like, there were just these groups of people that would no matter what be there to go watch movies with you. Um, and at that time also there was movie pass, which was amazing mm -hmm. while it lasted. And we abused the ever living shit out of it. Um, yeah. I think I think there was like a good two months straight where I didn't miss a day of seeing a new movie. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. it's it, it didn't it, it was it made it easier because also like you're in a town where like you don't really know where everything is. Like you're not surrounded by your own things. Like why not go kill a few hours at the movie theater? So I saw a lot while I was on tour. And now what at what point did you become aware of Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis, the Schmoes, Bowdown, all of that? When did the beginning of the deterioration of my life happen? Um, <laughs> I can almost tell you the date. It was it was the end of March 2017. Um, there was a panel that they had at WonderCon. And I happened to be, I was on tour at the time with An American in Paris. We were in LA at the playing the Pantages for like three weeks. And WonderCon just happened to fall in the space of those three weeks of the one weekend that I actually could attend. And because my birthday was in mid April and my best friend lived in Southern California, um, between my best friend and my assistant on tour at the time, they gave me the weekend off for my birthday so I could go down to WonderCon. Um, and so like you do for every convention, you know, you look at the schedule, you look at the panels. And I remember seeing one and it was like 3.30, Schmodown. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Schmodown? And then you click on it and like 
instantly as I'm reading it, like I hear the the voice of like the movie the movie phone guy, like in a world. Uh, and it was like, uh, what would happen if movie trivia had the competitiveness of UFC and the theatrics of WWE? And I was like, tell me everything. Um, so I put it into my schedule. I went about my day. Um, my, my alarm went off 15 minutes before I made my way over to what I thought was going to be a, a very like mid-sized room. No, it was like one of the big ballrooms. Um, and it was packed nuts to butts. Like people were standing everywhere. Like the seats were taken and I was like, shit, I really should have done my research. Um, but instead, me being me, I was like, okay, I'm just one person. There has to be a seat open, like, somewhere. So I walk down the center aisle all the way to the front, turn around, and right there in the front on the right-hand side were three open seats, and two of them had purses on them, and then one of them didn't. And so I was like, is anybody, can I sit here? And so I sat down, and then who comes to sit down next to me? But Wendy Lee Zaney and Grace Hancock because they were there like prepping the table and like putting name tags up and making sure there was water. Um, and so they sit down next to me and they're talking whatever. And all of a sudden the lights dim and the music comes on and Harloff uh, takes the stage. I think it was Harloff. Maybe it was, I think Campia introduced Harloff, um, which sucks to say because Campia. Um, but uh Harloff takes the stage and he's like, you know, the crowd is just going fucking nuts and I have no idea what I'm getting into. And so, like, the crowd's going crazy. He introduces some of the competitors and they've got entrance music and the lighting is different and there's belts and people are cheering and booing. And I was like, what is this amazingness? Like, how how do I not, how did I not know about this? And they did like a Q&A and like people are like, you know, getting really like, in my opinion, I was like, wow, this is like, like, these are people like you're getting a little mean. But then it was against Roka and knowing now what I like, no, if I knew then what I knew now, I'd be like, oh, they're going really easy on him. Um, you know, they were just jabbing at him and other players. Um, and then they did like a speed round with those awful buzzers. <laughs> and... I'm sitting there in the front row. First of all, my first interaction was with Christian was very, uh, it was very telling of what our relationship was going to be from then on. Um, because I kept making like comments under my breath, just loud enough for Wendy and Grace to hear them. So they start giggling and I start laughing. So Christian's like three feet in front of me at the podium and he literally just goes, stop it. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> like, like, like I can't help it. Like you're just giving me, you're just giving me material. I'm just, I'm just ripping off you, buddy. Um, and so the first, the first thing that Christian says to me is to stop talking. Um, <laughs> uh, and then quietly starts giving us like the dad looks, like when we, when we laugh too loud at certain things. He's like, um, but then they do the speed round, and I'm sitting in the front row, just like this. And every time they ask a question, I do this. I'm like, oh, I know this one. I know this. I know this. Makuka is sitting at the closest seat to me. So he sees me like reacting like this. Um, and then they ask uh, a question that nobody knows the answer to that. Of course I did. Cause it was a Disney question. Um, and it was, um, when does Mary Poppins say that she will leave the bank's children? And I'm like, Oh, I know this. And nobody knew it. And Makuka goes, she knows it. And I'm like, of course I do. And he's like, what is it? I was like, when the winds change and come from the West. 
they're like, that's correct. I'm like, I know. And he just sort of leans forward and he goes, you've known all of these answers. I'm like, yeah. He goes, let's talk later. And so like they have this, this drink and greet at like the Marriott, you know, right across the, the parking lot. Um, and so I went and met up with them and I'm walking around with like my phone in one hand, my Jameson and Ginger in the other. And Makuga comes up wearing that amazing magenta suit. Um, and he goes, oh, you're the girl from the front row. Follow me. So we start talking and everything. And uh, he introduces me to Christian. He goes, this is the girl I was telling you about. And I was like, oh, shit, that's not intimidating or anything. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, and so he starts asking me about, like, you know, how I knew, how I found out about the Schmodown. And I was like, I came to the panel. Like, <laughs> that's what it, like, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I hadn't heard about it before. Uh, and I got hooked and I went home that night and watched 30 matches um, well, and was like instantly hooked. Like I'm, I'm telling you, like once I find something I love, like I hold on for dear life and squeeze the life out of it. Um, and I just, I loved it. And I, I got, I stayed in contact with Christian. He asked if I wanted to compete like instantly. Cause I guess during that time, like there was like four women actively competing um, and he really needed to find more, um, that were good, uh, as opposed to what my record shows. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he asked me if I wanted to compete. I told him I was on tour and that I'd call him when I was available and we followed each other on Twitter, like instantly. And then it came out that, you know, there was the, I think he was trying to find, there was supposed to be like a, a Star Wars five way. And, like, three women were supposed to compete, and they all backed out the last minute. So Christian had to, like, fill these spots really, really quickly. And the only people he could find to compete were guys, and he was getting a lot of flack for that. And he's like, look, if any female wants to compete, let it be known. Like, let them, like, raise your hand. Like, tell me you want to compete. And so I just responded with, like, a gif of, like, tentatively raising my hand. Uh, and he messaged me, and he's like, why don't you back in town? And that's basically how it started. Wow. Um, I'm very interested in one thing. When you said you went home and you binged uh, all these uh, these past matches and whatnot, now in that sitting there, um, who, if any single competitor, really stood out to you and inspired you in that single sitting? Um, it was definitely Clark Wolf. Um, she was just like there and just as ballsy with her answers as the other guys and then i really really loved rachel because like i felt a kinship not just because of our name um especially once finding out that like she's not somebody who you know was in front of the camera a lot she worked behind the scenes and that was basically me like i you're like you'll never see me on stage singing in front of a band unless i'm very very drunk um, like, you'll see me, like, selling the merchandise or, like, helping load gear or, you know, tour managing or something like that. Like, making sure that the show goes on, not the one putting on the show. Um, so I felt a really strong kinship with her regarding that because I'm not, especially with, like, L by L.A. standards, like, I'm not camera ready. You know, like, I'm not that girl that gets put on for the lead. Like, I'm the spunky sidekick, whatever. And, like... It was just really hard to come to deal to come to grips with that and like still be willing to like put yourself out there um it took a lot to do that and so when rachel was going through all that stuff with all the fans and everything like and all of the females like really like closed ranks and like 
were there for each other. I was like, this is, this is the place I want to be. Like, this is the family right that I have right now. This is the family I want. Like everyone's so supportive, like, and everybody's so passionate and just here to have fun. So like, why would I want to be anywhere else? And that being said, uh, where would you want to be? Uh, why would you want to be anywhere else? Um, maybe not, you know, now, but as you get closer to retirement in the next 10, 20 years, however long it is, <laughs> Uh, hopefully we have you around that long, but post your competing uh, Schmodown career, is there anything behind the scenes that you would like to take a crack at? I mean, I've already been like harassing Christian to let me help like book the book the venues for places that we go and like help out with the live events. Um, but I mean, I, I especially with this season, I've kind of taken like a like a trainer type role within the den of like. You know, people will announce when they have matches or whatever, and I'm like, okay, great. What kind of study session do you want? What What do you want to study? Like, what what wheels do you? What slices do you want to cover? Like, do you want to play against someone? Do you want to do? Uh, do you want to do a round robin? Do you want to do it? Let's just talk about it. Do you want to like just hang out and you know talk movies? Like, because sometimes that helps. Um, and so I've just kind of taken that that role, and I I really like it. Like, it, and it's also helped me out a lot as a competitor. But I you know. If the day comes where I no longer wish to compete, I don't think I'll just step away. Like, I'll still be, like, a coach or a manager or something along those lines. That sounds great. Uh, I'd like to see anything else that, that, that you know, uh, Schmodown competitors would like to contribute to I think is cool. I found out some, th you know, some other people work behind the scenes, camera work and stuff like that. And, I you know, I just – it never occurred to me that, that competitors – did play more than one role in, in the production of Schmodown. The more I find out about the production aspect of Schmodown, the more impressed I am. Um, it's just, it's it's really good. It's really fun to watch. Um, and and before we uh, before we wrap this up, I do want to ask you, a, like, a, okay, it, it can be someone from your faction or not from your faction, but a, a current... Schmodown competitor, if you could have your pick of any one person uh, to be a team with, um, any faction, uh, who would that person be? Oh, man. I mean, you'd be stupid to not say Dan Merle because he's ridiculous. Um, I also think that our knowledge is very complimentary. Um if I'm going Den, I think playing with Saul would be just, like, the best teammate. Wow. It would just be so much fun. I would just, like, get to sit back and let him do, like, his talks, and we would just, just slay at the trivia. Um, I, w I would love... I wish... I think I, I'm sad to say that I think that most of the females that I'm aware of that are competitors have similar knowledge bases to me, so I don't think that, like... I don't find that teams who have similar knowledge bases are, are as effective competitively. Um, they might be super entertaining, but I don't think that they like will win more than a few matches. Um, but I would love to team up with another female at some point. Um, I think that that would be great. Just be like Shirewolves 2.0. Yeah. And, and this is not a knock on any competitors whatsoever in the Schmodown now or ever, but uh, in my mind, it's a fact that the Shire Wolves are going to be a very hard team uh, to, uh, for any two ladies to 
to uh, to jump up and, and, and put themselves on that level. Uh, it's going to take a lot. And like I said, that's not a knock against anyone. I, uh, Clark no, I 100%, just, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, they set Clark, the bar really high, and there's I'm, – I'm, I like a challenge. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way it should be, uh, you know. Um, it, God, I just love the Schmodown. Then that, and that's why I love doing this show. Um, and this show was actually inspired by uh, by John Lipton and Inside the Actor's Studio. Um, so, in honor of John Lipton, I uh, I like to ask everyone the ten questions that he would ask his guests at the okay. end of the show. So, Rachel, uh, what is your favorite word? Yes. And what is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on? Honesty. What turns you off? Bigotry. What sound or noise do you love? A baby's laugh. Like that belly laugh, you know, where like they can't breathe anymore and you're like a little worried for them. That laugh. I can hear it in my head right now, and it's it's absolutely great. Um, what sound or noise do you hate? Screeching car brakes. Um, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. It's so versatile. Yes, yes. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, so hard. I've had so many jobs. <laughs> um, running uh, an animal shelter. Um, and what profession would you not like to attempt? Oh God, uh, the people who clean out the porta potties. <laughs> Any sort of sanitation. Yes. yes. Uh, and Rachel, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You did good. That's great. Rachel Silvestrini, thank you so very much for your time. It was great to get to know you on, on a deeper level outside of the Schmodown. Um, good luck not only this season, but with the rest of your Schmodown career. Uh, thank, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Be sure to check out Speaking of Schmodown, a sports talk show devoted to the movie trivia Schmodown airs Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time here on the Jcast Network.